Well, good morning, friends. It's, uh, I would say it's, it's good to see you, but I, I can't see you. You can see me, but it's great to connect. You know, I am so grateful. I, I feel like the Lord has really blessed me with some gratitude um, here uh, this week as I reflect on what we are able to do and how we are able uh, with all of this to be the church. And so uh, thank you, uh, Pastor Steve, for for giving us all the updates and for praying for us. And uh, we're grateful to the Lord that we can continue to connect and and be the church together. Uh, If you are just joining on with us, we've been engaged in a series of sermons called Ageless God, Modern Message, and specifically asking you the question, what is God saying to you? And throughout this time, we've been encouraging you to listen through the scriptures as we read together through the book of John and sometimes gathering together in group settings and learning and, and hearing through God's word through the book of John. Um, and, and so uh, th- that's where we're at. We're at chapter 17 now. And you might remember if you joined us last week that, we, that I began chapter 17 in talking about three specific prayers that Jesus prays or one prayer, three different parts. And uh, we're gonna be continuing uh, through that, those prayers because this is the last section before we start into Easter, uh, specifically the betrayal and the eventual death and resurrection of, of Jesus. And, and so this is really the last part that Jesus ends with in the Last Supper setting uh, with three different prayers. If you remember, Jesus prayed for himself and then he prayed for his disciples, the, his apostles that really walked with him in ministry. And now we're gonna turn to the third portion of his prayer here in John chapter 17, starting with verse 20. And if you have your Bibles at home, go ahead and flip it open to John chapter 17 and you can follow along as I read uh, for us as well. Starting with verse 20 in chapter 17, it says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those who you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that, that you have sent me I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. One of my favorite things to do is backpacking. I can remember one of my favorite trips with my best friend. We went to the Great Smoky Mountains in North Carolina. And part of our trek, part of our journey was to hike on the Appalachian Trail. And I loved it. It was such an, an awesome experience hiking on the Appalachian Trail. 
But I have to tell you, the trail in and of itself was pretty unspectacular. It was well worn down. Um, it was, there was a little bit crowded. There were a lot of people. And we ended up having to follow behind this group of guys that were a little off, if you know what I mean. And um, it wasn't that great of an experience, but I still loved it. And the reason is because I knew that I was treading on historical ground. And I, I knew that there would be people, famous people even, people that we read about in the history books that have walked that same piece of earth. And it was satisfying. It was exciting to walk that portion of the Appalachian Trail. The same is true when we consider our faith and how the faith that we have as though, even though we, we hold it within ourselves and it, it culminates in decisions and, and faithfulness that we make, our faith stands on the well-worn pathways that so many people before us had walked also themselves. We stand on the backs of those faith carriers that handed faith down to us. I, I think about the martyrs such as Polycarp and Athanasius who gave their lives for the faith. I think of great reformers like, like Martin Luther or John Wesley. I, I, I think of theologians like St. Augustine and other, all kinds of other heroes of the faith that passed down the faith uh, to us that we can uh, be, be grateful for. All kinds of, of people, and I'm sure that you have a list of your own that you've heard, maybe even personal stories, relatives, family members, uh, teachers, all kinds of people that were involved in you having the faith that, that you have in this time. But what I'm talking about here is not just an appreciation for those that have gone on before us. I'm also talking about how tradition or the tradition of the faith passed to us shapes, informs the way we even hear God speak. One of my faith heroes, John Wesley, he, he described it in what people now call something called the, the Wesleyan quadrilateral. And that's a really weird and, and, and complex name. But I love the idea. And it, it, it goes like this, that, that when we hear God, we hear primarily through Scripture. God speaks primarily through Scripture as the anchor and the filter through which we, through which we hear him. But, but when we read through the Scriptures, God also uses three other things. The first is experience. We experience the living word to be true because we feel it. We, it's tangible to us. We also engage reason. You know, God gave us a mind on purpose. We don't have to check our minds at the church doors when we come in. It's reasonable to us. We can, uh, we can question, we can engage with our minds the scriptures that we're reading. And then lastly, there's tradition. How the people that have gone before us, the, the faith carriers that have gone before us, contribute to how we view certain things. How we view the, the very nature of God, his character, his concern. How we look at ourselves in, in the human condition. And, and also how we understand a, a relationship with God. You see, the people, the faith carriers that have gone on before us have had an incredibly important and powerful role in our lives. And we also hold that same power and responsibility for the generations that go after us as well. I say all of this to help us grasp why Jesus turns his attention 
to these specific groups of people in his prayer. If you remember last week, I talked about how Jesus was praying over his apostles, those that, had, that were to carry the faith to the first generation of Christians and the spiritual battles that they would face in the midst of that. And now Jesus is turning his prayer to those that would receive the faith after those apostles, those carriers of the faith that would hand it over generation to generation to generation. It is incredibly powerful, an incredibly powerful role and importance to carry that faith in those that have carried it to us. And as much as we can list all of the heroes of the faith and, and those that have done it so well, when we look at church history, there's also an ugly side that we have to, that we have to come to, to, to reality with. There's war, rape, genocide, all kinds of atrocities and, and corruptedness, all done with that name Christian, all done in, in the name of Jesus. And so when we, when we look at how faith has been handed down to us, there, there is that ugly side. And it's no wonder then when we see, when, when you know, we used to have a phone book, we could look through a phone book, you could look online at all the areas, all the churches in your area. There's all kinds of different kinds of denominations and traditions and, and different flavors of, of church that you could find, and they're all sort of separate. At least that's how the world would see it because of divisions that have happened throughout uh, church throughout church history. Now some would say that some of these divisions were a good thing. Reformers that even sought to, 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 to help the church change and, and form itself in the right way from within and yet were cast out and told that they're no longer a part of, of the church. This is the, the difficult side of what it means to, to carry the faith from one place to another, what it means to be the church, a, a corporate body of people that are sharing the same, the same faith. And this is why Jesus is concerned about these believers. He's concerned, and specifically, when even in talking about the spiritual battles, puts it in the context of unity. Take a look earlier when we talked about last week, John 17, verse 11. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And from the scriptures that I just read for you in, in verse 20 and 21 of chapter 17, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. This is a huge concern of Jesus as he's praying the very last prayer that he'll pray before he begins the countdown to his eventual death and, and resurrection. It's important to understand that the spiritual battles that we face, both individually and corporately as a body of believers, are affected in the unity that we share and the unity that we are, that are called to. There is great power and capacity for the unity that we share, for the advancement of the kingdom of God, for the gospel to be shared from one generation to the next, but there's also great power in the disunity and the dividing that we encounter amongst ourselves that has and will 
sway people away from the gospel and away from God because we just can't figure out sometimes how to be one. I think an illustration for this is the current crisis that we're in with the coronavirus. You know, our civic leaders, our governor has said and sort of repeated just the the research that shows that if the majority of us or even all of us were to follow this new protocol of social distancing, it will uh, help to reduce the spread of, of the virus. But if there are those of us that don't abide by that protocol, that divide themselves from from what we are asked to do by our civic leaders, then the virus will spread all the more rapidly. See, there's great power on both sides. There's great power to be unified for 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 the advancement of the kingdom of God. And there is also great power in the disunity that we also experience. This is why Jesus is concerned, and this is why Jesus offers this specific prayer. Now, it's more, though, than just getting along and holding hands and singing Michael W. Smith's Friends Forever. It's what we used to do in high school. It's so much bigger than that. Take a look at what it says here in verse 21 that, that shared uh, with us. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father. Take a look at this. Just as you are in me and I am in you. And Pastor Steve talked two weeks ago uh, so wonderfully about how God is united three in one. We call God the triune God. Tri meaning three, yun meaning unity, a unity of three, three in one. God is a union. And so when we are also practicing the unity in our faith, we're not only getting along, we're sharing in the very unity that is part of the very nature of God himself. You see, when we are tethered to the presence of God, when we are connected to the very presence of God as our center, we can't help but to be unified because God is unified. Did you see in verse 22 that was said there, Jesus also talks about his glory. He says that I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. One way to look at this word glory, we don't use it as much. One way to look at this word glory is fame, praise, honor, reverence. Like when you would go to a concert and you would lift up praise and you would clap your hands in approval of what of the performance that was done for you. Part of being unified in the sharing of the nature of God as a unified being, being in unity together centers itself I'm making Jesus more famous than us. Have you ever had an argument and the argument would go on and and maybe get really intense and by the end of the argument, you've completely forgotten what you were arguing about in the first place? (laughs) More often than not, when that happens, something took place in the midst of that argument, you, either you or another person suddenly abandoned what you were arguing about and suddenly it became about being right winning the argument, getting out ahead or, or on top. That is the divisive spirit. It's self-serving. It's promoting a, a personal agenda. 
It's self-righteous. It's, it's prideful. But when we're united in God and our aim is to make Jesus more famous, we can't help but to be united because we have laid aside our personal agenda so that we can give God the glory. That is how we share in the very nature of a unified God. I love this quote from Tony Erickson uh, Tata. It says this, or Joni Erickson Tata, it says, believers are never told to become one. We already are one and are expected simply to act like it. So how then do we live in unity? What are some perspectives that we can have and hold on to? Because being unified sometimes is not easy. Some of you, I know, have been hurt by other church people or other Christians. How do we stay unified and not break fellowship with one another and stay tethered to, to the unified God that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? How do, how do we do that? How do we live that out? Three things I want to offer you here today to believe in unity, to have a heart of unity, and to bear fruit from unity. Let's start with the first one. Believe in unity. Believe in unity. Believing in unity simply is to treat unity with the same intensity and the same importance that Jesus does in his prayer. Unity is a high focus for Jesus. It is a high importance for Jesus in this prayer. And sometimes this idea of unity just isn't as important to us. I think Jesus asks us when we consider all of our disagreements and, and, our, and, and our waywardness and, and our infighting to count the cost before we would break fellowship with one another. To count the cost not up against whether we think we are right. To count the cost not, not in, in, in coming out on top, but to count the cost of what it means to be unified as opposed to be living in, in disunity with, with one another. Count the cost. And I had some friends approach me over a year ago, and they were heartbroken. They were friends with, with other believers of a different church tradition, and as they started talking about some of the differences of their church tradition, the other couple decided that they could no longer be friends, and even in communication with them because they disagreed on this one point. And now I have to say that th this is something that the church uh, has been sort of divided over for, for, for ages, and they weren't going to be able to, to solve it. And, and certainly, this is something that uh, all kinds of people not only would use Scripture to defend their own side, but, but have also let go and realized that in the scope of things, it's really not that important to break fellowship with someone over. And they were heartbroken that someone had done that to them. Count the cost. In many ways, we should think of it as a marriage, and that's why we uh, baptize people in the presence of the church because it's not a private uh, occurrence when we celebrate the work, that, the saving work that God does in a person. We do it in the corporate a body of believers because we are also initiating them into the family of God. It is a corporate event. We become part of one another as brothers and sisters in, in Jesus Christ. We are, in some ways, married to one another. If we think about it in a marriage, we also think about the cost 
that is incorporated in, in getting a divorce. And some of you know this from personal experience, and I've had many people as I sat down to counsel with them weigh the heaviness of a potential divorce as they're looking through all of their struggles in, in their marriage. There's financial risks and cost to this, to this uh, end route. There are emotional cost. There's relational costs, especially if there's children involved. There is a heavy cost to breaking up a marriage in, in divorce. And we should count the cost of our unity when it comes to our brothers and sisters in, in Christ. Because Jesus says it's important in the way that he offers this up in prayer believing in unity. So believe in unity, but then also have a heart of unity. Have a heart of unity. This invitation is, is simply to check your heart and, and to look and, and to see that in the midst of your own disagreement, is there any hint of, of self-righteousness, of insecurity, of, of any jealousy? Do you find yourself uh, in a, a disagreement, getting a little defensive, that's usually the telltale sign for me if I find myself getting overly defensive about something. Is there something within us that we need to offer to the Lord in the midst of a disunity? I love what Philippians 2, 1 through 4 says, that therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not, listen to this, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Yes, believing in unity, having a high value and regard for unity, but also looking inward and wondering if, if we also have that same heart for unity. Now, there's a, a little warning with this because it is so easy to mask our own self-righteousness, our own right fighting with scripture, <laughs> to, to look up the Bible and say, well, yeah, but it says here that I am right. And in that, we don't have the right heart and we don't have the right spirit in our engagement and our disagreements with, with one another. Believing in unity, having a heart of unity, and then finally, looking at and bearing fruit from unity. The unity or the disunity have, we have makes a difference in those around us. Did you catch in chapter 17 of, of John uh, in, in 20 and 21? I've read this a couple times, but we're sort of flushing it out here. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Listen to this that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That you have sent me. There are so many times when I'm in the midst of an argument and I think, I, I know that I'm right. <laughs> 
There are times when I'm in the midst of a disagreement, argument, and, and I know that, that I'm right. I know that I'm right. But the way I go about that disagreement and the way I treat those around me that disagree with me has the potential of making me oh so wrong. I might be right, but I could be very wrong in the way I go about it. You see, our unity and our disunity matters for the people and the world around us. That's why the world looks at the church and when they say, I don't wanna be a part of that, they look specifically at how there's been division and divide and disagreements and arguments. They point to that very disunity as a way of staying away from a relationship with God. That's why Jesus holds such a high value because what God wants to accomplish here on this earth is done most powerfully when we are united towards his purposes. I'm reminded in John chapter 13, a few uh, verses earlier, verse 34 and 35. This is something that I memorized a long time ago, and I invite, this is one of those great verses you can memorize. I invite you to do that. It says, a new command I give to you. Love one another just as I have loved you. Love one another. By, by our love together, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So I just encourage you to consider the high value and the high regard that Jesus places on unity as we face the various spiritual battles of life on this earth, even day to day. Consider the, the confrontations that you have, the disagreements that you have, or just the interactions that you have with another believer that you're like, ugh, I don't know if I could be around that person. What would a high value and a high regard and a heart for unity change about that relationship, change about that situation? I know that we are all in our separate homes and we're practicing social distancing and in some ways, it might seem like we are apart, but let me tell you, during this time, we have great capacity of being one. You see, we're all experiencing the same thing. Isn't it interesting that, that we have so much more compassion now for one another? I, I sense that. We have a common understanding. We joke with one another. Hey, how's it going in your home? What problems are you facing? What ideas do you have to keep our kids under control during this time? It's so amazing that as much as we are separate, I see great capacity and great possibility for the church to unite. You know, to put away some of those squabbles that we find ourselves fighting over and really coming together and sharing in the unity of God and being one together as the body of, of Jesus Christ. I encourage you, if there's forgiveness that you need to seek with another person, would you pray about that? Would you pray that God would give you courage to seek that reconciliation or that forgiveness? If there's a situation where uh, God is calling you to be reunited or to be unified with another person, would you do that? Would you even just pray that you would have a higher value of unity in the way that Jesus offers in his prayer as you go about your life in your day to day? This is my invitation to you. Uh, in just a moment, you'll have a chance to 
engage with those around you, or if you're by yourself, simply to reflect on some questions uh, off of this message that I've offered to you today. Uh, I pray that you take a little bit extra time instead of turning the TV off and going about your, your day. Would you take a little extra time and engage with your family members and, and talk through some of these questions? A new question will pop up every five minutes, so take some time with one, and then the next question will pop up. And just a, a, another way for you to engage with your family members or those that you're gathered with here uh, today. Let me pray for us uh, before we do that, that we can receive with open hearts the spirit of unity as we face our spiritual battles. Let's pray together. Holy God, we have heard your prayer for us to be one. Just as you are one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us also be one. Forgive us when we've gone our own way. Forgive us when we've practiced self-righteousness. Forgive us when we've held us when we've held on to bitterness. And Lord, as we are joined together with you by your grace, help us to be bound with one another as the body of Jesus Christ. This is what you desire. This is part of your heart. Let it also be our heart as we go through this day, these days. Lord, I pray as we're physically separated that you would bind us in a new and powerful way, that you would help us to be creative in the way that we connect with one another, that we engage with one another. And I pray, God, that this would be the church's finest time, finest hour to be a witness to the world. Lord, I know that out in the world there is great capacity for loneliness and despair and isolation, but Lord, help us to expand the hospitality of your love to those around us as we are united in you. Thank you for this time where we could worship. And I pray your blessing over our reflections or discussions um, after this time. Bless us and speak to us. Our ears are open, Lord. Our hearts are ready to receive your word to us. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you be blessed this week? We'll continue to check back with you. Would you be blessed as you hear God's word for you? Be united, church. There is great purpose and power as one as he is one. Have a great week.